Welcome to The Positive Effect. My name's April Sobral, and I am the founder of RetailU.ca and the author of The Positive Effect, a retail leader's guide to changing the world. I've had an amazing 25-year career in retail where I've traveled across the globe. I have worked and inspired thousands of leaders. And in this weekly podcast, I bring to you my retail friends and network conversations that will inspire you and encourage you to further your career in retail or beyond. We talk about leadership lessons learned and tips and tricks that can help you be a successful leader. So get ready to be inspired. And if you're looking for more leadership development, sign up at www.retailu.ca. And I'll see you on a live call soon. All right, we're live. It's Wednesday. I'm back with Mark Costco. I'm so excited. Welcome, Mark, to The Positive Effect. Thank you. Thank you. So happy that you're here. So I'm just going to set up um, before we jump into your you know, retail story today. I'm so excited. So if you're joining us, um, put your name in the chat. Tell us where you're from. Um, we have an amazing retail global community that joins us every week. And also, if you have any comments or questions, write them in the chat. We will get to them afterwards. We always go back and read them afterwards. Um, and just, you know, we love um, hearing what you're learning from these conversations. And then also, share this with your retail network. If you come across this in your feed, we really appreciate you sharing it because this conversation that I bring to life every week with my amazing retail network from LinkedIn is um, golden uh, career conversations of people that have had success throughout their retail career and have really made a positive impact on the people and the business that they led. And I want to share this with as many people as we can so that they can learn from people like me and you, Mark. So Wonderful. Yeah, so today um, we're going to talk to you about your retail story, um, and I'm really excited because what I know about you, you've worked at Harry Rose, you worked at Harry Rosen for 26 years, I think, and yes, yeah, and and I'm always, I was saying to you earlier, I'm just really impressed with people that I meet that have worked in a brand for so long because there's so many things that you probably accomplished in that brand, and so we're going to just jump right in. So what? how did you start your retail journey? Because I think that's always an interesting question because we all come into it in different ways. So walk sure. us through how you started your retail um, journey. Um, well, I, I had two parts to my retail journey. So the first part was um, I started with uh, my father. My father opened up a, a men's clothing store in Mississauga. And um, I was, you know, a young man. I was still going to school at the time. And uh, so what I did and kind of, you know, when you uh, uh, are, are part of a family that, that tries to support each other, I, I, would, uh, I was going to school, but I also would work at, in the store part time. And I was able to work out a schedule with my school where I would only ten classes in the morning and then I could work in the store uh, in the afternoon. And so we worked together. Uh, Dad was an amazing man. Uh, he was a, a merchant and a tailor and a designer. He uh, wow. uh, he could do it all, um, and uh, and he was a great salesman. You know, uh, so I um, uh, I learned a tremendous amount from him. Um, about a year and a half or two years into the store being in operation, dad had a heart attack and uh, he was in New York at the time. 
So I had to stop going to classes because obviously, you know, somebody had to be back at the store. So I, I uh, uh, went back to classes or so I went back to the store and um, back in those days, uh, the recovery uh, time of, of that type of thing was longer. And of course, obviously being a long distance situation, uh, sure. dad, yeah, dad didn't get back till probably, uh, uh, I would say three months, I think it was before he actually got back to uh, Canada and Ontario. Um, when he was back, uh, you know, he seemed to be okay. Everything was fine. We kind of picked up again. But at that point in time, I realized that um, I had missed uh, a big part of the school year. And I, I had the choice of, you know, either starting over and uh, the next year. Uh, but I just kind of fell into working in the store then. I started working full time and, and dad and I worked together. Um, and then, unfortunately, about uh, another, maybe I guess a year and a half or two years later, dad had a much bigger heart attack. And then this time um, it was harder for him to get bounce back. So at that point in time, we became more partners than, than uh, you know, uh, 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 him sort of being the owner and me being the employee type of thing. It was right. more partnership and I assume more control of the store. And we, um, we uh, branched out and did things. We uh, uh, were very, very heavily involved in Made to Measure um, and we gained a big reputation as people who could fit, uh, you know, the people who were difficult to fit. So we got a lot of customers that way. And I was trying things all the time. I was trying new things. Uh, so uh, I uh, business casual around that time was becoming a little bit of a of a of uh, um, uh, importance in the uh, in the business world. So you were seeing casual Fridays, and mm. so I started uh, facilitating uh, sessions where I would go to businesses and I would help them to guide their people as to what business casual should look like. Because wow. Back yeah, back then there was no guidance. Like, yeah, uh, um, a lot of the people that I, me I always remember the one I was uh, I was doing a session in one uh, one business, and the the president was the one who asked me to come in, and I asked him. I said, "So what 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 are your concerns uh, with with regard to business casual?" And he said, "You'll see." And I didn't understand what he meant until everybody got into the boardroom, and so the boardroom was he held probably about twenty four people, twelve on one side, twelve on the other. The 12 on this side were all right into business casual. So they were, but, but it was all over the place. It was cut off shorts. It was t-shirts and things. And then on this side, it was all suits and shirts and ties. Wow. So, you know, obviously I realized right away there was a divide and we had to come to some happy medium, but, um, but for a lot, for, for what they uh, were looking for, they were looking for guidance in business casual. And the other thing that I uh, uh, started was uh, going to people's homes uh, and uh, working with them in their homes or their offices. So I was, uh, because Made to Measure was so mobile, I could bring uh, things uh, to them and to sell them in, you know, in their homes. So I, um, uh, I did that, uh, and we had the store for, or I was with Dad uh, for about eighteen years uh, wow. you know, in the in the store, and then. Um, uh, at that point, that's when I, I started to get the itch to start to do things on a bigger level. And um, I um, uh, had talked to my cousin who worked uh, at Harry Rosen's and uh, we had lunch one day and he says, why don't you come down and talk to the people? And, and I knew of the Hor Rosen people. I knew Harry uh, from before, uh, only briefly. Uh, and um, so I came down and uh, got hired and that's how my journey started with Harry Rosen's. Wow. And what did, so when, when you were at Harry Rosen, like, what did you start, like, walk us through your career? And that's an amazing story, by the way, 18 years of 
having your own store. I did not know that. I love yeah. that story because that really, there's so probably so many stories and experiences from that that then you could take with you. And and it was really the driving factor to do something on a bigger scale that wanted you to go to Harry Rosen? Yes, yeah. But, uh, but it, what I loved about the idea, and that's why I said it was two parts. I had the the uh, opportunity to work in a store where it was a very small operation. Uh, it was a family-run, obviously, obviously operation. Yeah, I uh, got to low, you know know customers really, really well, and um, um, and then I moved into a company that was national, that was mm -hmm. right across Canada. Uh, so um, I had that opportunity as well. When I started at Rosen's, I started um, as a sales manager uh, in their uh, downtown location, uh, which was in the Scotia Plaza at the time. And I uh, worked with uh, some great people, uh, great uh, managers there. And um, I had a brief stint of managing the Fairview Mall store while it went through the, their renovations and expansion. Uh, this was right around the transition where at one time, and this was just before I joined Rosen's, um, the, uh, they were selling ladies' clothing as well. So they were moving away from ladies' clothing and moving more heavily into the men's clothing. Uh, and so it was around that transition time that I, that I was there, and I moved, uh, obviously, to the Fairview store for a while. Then I came back to the – they moved me back to the downtown store, and that's when um, uh, I had meetings with Harry, and we talked about the idea of taking uh, the uh, – he had goals in mind. He wanted to improve the tailored clothing uh, uh, the way it was being sold and uh, uh, taught uh, on how to sell it in the in the company, made to measure. He wanted to improve that, uh, and uh, and then the last goal was tailor shops, which came much later. But uh, but those were the two big goals: was improving the tailored clothing uh, division as well as uh, made to measure. Wow, that's and that's a huge part of their business now, isn't it? Well, made to measure. Grew, see, made to measure started off very small, and uh, uh, it, it grew. I mean, we uh, we, uh, I, if I remember correctly, when I started with uh, made to measure, we were somewhere around uh, seven million or eight million. I think uh, no, no, sorry, we were less than that. I think we might have been under five million. Uh, and in the heyday, at the very top, uh, we were just around forty million dollars. So, wow! So we grew it quite a bit in a, in a relatively short period of time, but that. Uh, came uh, as a result of um, you know dedication to obviously the, the 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 product as well and what we were carrying, but it also came at a time when a lot of our makers so we had makers already who were doing made to measure, but a lot of the European makers were were adopting made to measure in a more serious way. So all of a sudden, Armani, Canali, Zenia, all these labels were becoming much stronger in made to measure, and we were. Uh, uh, obviously, a great uh, a venue for them to 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 introduce that. Uh, so uh, so that helped it tremendously as well too. Yeah. yeah. So that must have taken like so setting off to have like a goal like that and going from like here to here and building that business. That must have taken a ton of leadership and courage and you know just willpower and so like how did you approach that? Like how do you do that? How do you like? go from yeah. here to here because this is a good lesson for many people that want to build something um within the current business they're in or pivot what they're already doing so mm -hmm. what can we learn from you like how did you how do you go about approaching that well i think the thing is that it has to start at the top and in, in the sense that there has to be a commitment so uh obviously harry was committed to it i was committed to it the executive committee had to be committed to it so uh you know it, uh, that was you know obviously that was harry and he and his um 
uh, uh, working with the, with that team. Uh, and then we started branching out and we said, okay, well, we have regional directors uh, uh, in our company. Well, we need to get them on site and we need to show them how to do made to measure. And made to measure was a mystery at that at one time. And even, you know, uh, Harry, to some extent, uh, you know, uh, when it came to measuring, you know, he had his cards close to his chest uh, a lot of the time, you know, uh, whereas I looked at it and said, no, I want more and more people knowing how to do that. And that's how I eventually wrote the made to measure training program that, that we had, we had in the company uh, so that more and more people got involved. But we started with the regional directors. Then we started, then we moved to the store managers and made them aware. And they, they had to know how to do it. They, they had to understand how to sell a made to measure, how to measure for it. And, uh, and we also at the same time uh, started looking for people in the stores that, that liked it, that liked made to measure. And I didn't care uh, you know, uh, it wasn't, I didn't necessarily want the top salespeople. I wanted somebody who was passionate about it. If mm -hmm. they were passionate about made to measure, then those were the people that became, that we identified as the leaders within the store. And uh, so we, we got appointed those people. And, and the last part was the actual visual part and every store moving forward. Uh, I worked closely with our, our store designer and every store moving forward, uh, had a made-to-measure uh, department, had something uh, to show, and those departments became beautiful and, and very, very elegant. And uh, uh, so it became, you know, part of the visual for when customers came in. Because one of the frustrating things was is that as I was going through this process, people were saying to us when we would suggest made-to-measure, they'd say, oh, you guys have made-to-measure? And, you know, to say <laughs> that we, we'd had it all along. So for them to say that, we knew that we needed to do something to, to, to show it, Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's interesting because there's so, so many things that you, we assume that customers know that we do when we're working in a store or working in a brand, and they actually don't. I yes. remember having that experience when I worked at Apple, all the things that I learned from being on the inside and then like having to train the customers on it. And, and they didn't know that we had um, services or they didn't know that you could just walk into an Apple store and change your phone over and get an iPhone in an Apple store through the provider there. They thought you had to go to the provider, which you actually don't. And if you go to an Apple store, you get a much better experience sure, um, going to do, the yeah. provider, right? Versus going to right, like right, a Fido right. store or something. So, right, so right. it's so interesting. It's like education. So what I'm hearing from you is you really believe in finding people that are passionate about mm. what you want to do, get them excited. And also the training is really important. Yeah. Is that what I'm hearing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Training was was key. Um, and, you know, part of my role was uh, throughout the time that I was there was training. So I, I was training and uh, we had programs within the company uh, that were that focused on ready to wear training, uh, how to fit a garment, uh, as well as made to measure. And my role was going continually going out to stores when when we had new associates on board uh, and uh, training them in ready to wear and then uh, uh, when the time came into in made to measure as well too um, and and uh, follow up one of the things that we did consistently was we followed up so everybody in the company eventually was assessed once a year on their made to measure ability so they would be assessed by actually going through a made to measure sale mm -hmm. uh, same thing with the clothes the clothing uh, ready to wear clothing they would actually go through a clothing sale with an assessor who would check off and make sure that they hit all the um, uh, all the key points that they were supposed to uh, hit. So that's important. Very important. You know, I think that, you know, because again, there's a consistency and what was great about it was that no one was exempt from it. So we did it with store managers. We did it with regional directors and everybody realized how 
important that was as a visual message. To, so if I met a regional director in one of the stores and we went through an assessment, he and I were going through an assessment, um, everybody was watching this happen. And, uh, and it sent a very positive message to everybody to say, you know what, everybody has to go through this. This is important. This is part of the culture of our company. I think that's huge what you just shared, because um, I think like when you want to, and this is really important for anybody that works in retail or leads a team or wants to roll out a strategy, what Mark just shared is, is really having everybody at all levels bought into it and demonstrating it. You know, like those small things that you do every day, not just, you know, just not just training salespeople to do it, but like you said, regional directors will actually shape the culture of what people think are important in a company, right? And I shared this story with you before we jumped on here about when I would walk into a store, if I saw a customer standing at a register, right, ready to pay, and the staff were talking to each other behind the cash desk, this was my biggest pet peeve, I would walk up to the customer and start talking to the customer and apologize to the customer for the staff talking in front of them. And that sent a very clear message, right? The staff were like, oh, woof, I can't talk in front of, you know, like the customer's got to come first, like, let's get it right, people. And and that's really important. I love that story. I love it so much because it reminds me so much of the way Harry was, okay, because he uh, he was the same way. A- anytime he went into a store, if he saw a customer being uh, or, or ignored or whatever, it didn't matter. I, I can't tell you how many times that we would fly into a, a, a city, we'd get to the store, and he'd see somebody not being taken care of, his coat, his hat, everything would fly off and it would almost kind of throw it in my arms. And I would go and get, uh, put the suitcase and all that away while he was going to take care of the customer. And he hadn't even walked, he'd only been in the store for seconds. Um, and, you know, it was such a great um, uh, example and it set a standard in our company. Um, you know, you talk about the, 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 the points that, uh, uh, one of the things that uh, Harry was really proud of is together he and I wrote what we uh, called the standards for the company. Um, and these were th- uh, standards that everyone had to follow when a customer walked in the door. So from greeting to right through to the end of uh, whether if it was a garment that was being altered to the delivery. And we had set standards on how they had to follow. And w- w- Harry's point was, is that I don't care if the customer buys a $5,000 Brioni suit or a $100 pair of slacks. He said, I want him treated exactly the same way. I want them both treated exactly the same way with the same level of respect and, and all that. And that's, uh, that was the birth of those standards. And, and, um, and I loved uh, the fact that we had those because it was, it was our form of measurement. And what was interesting about it was that for the people that, that when we introduced them uh, initially at one of our management meetings, um, the comment came back was, this should be the least that we do. Right. You know, and I, and I, I, I mean, I, I almost wanted to kiss that guy because I said, <laughs> you know, that's exactly the way we feel. This is the base. Anything you do after this is over and above. And it'd be great if you did. So. Oh, that's, that's brilliant. So what, I mean, there's probably so many, you just shared a few already, but there's so many probably huge lessons learned working you know, for Harry Rosen and specifically with him, mm-hmm. you know, alongside him. But what's like a really, what, like, what's your top two lessons learned from working with them that you could well, share, share with us that could help yeah. us learn? I think, uh, first of all, he was uh, uh, unbelievably focused on customers. Uh, so it didn't matter what 
uh, was going on. He was, uh, um, uh, it, it all centered around the customer. So whatever decision was being made in the company, he would relate it back to the customer and also to the employee. He loved employees. I mean, uh, he, he loved the people that worked in the company. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, some of the things that I remember that stand out um, are uh, one of my, and I, I just shared this story not long ago. Uh, one of the first trips Harry and I took together, uh, we went into a store and we were doing an event. I think that there we were, I can't remember if we were just visiting, but anyways, we were there. And at lunchtime, he came to me and he said, um, I'm going to go get lunch. So it was my first trip with him and everything. I said, okay, great. You know, so off he goes. He comes back in. He's got a brown paper bag in his hand uh, with a can of Coke. And he walks right back into the tailor shop, sits down at one of the machines, opens up his lunch. The tailors were having their lunch as well, too. And he's talking with them and he's joking and he's, and he's uh, uh, asking them questions. And I mean, obviously what Harry was trying to find out was he's trying to find out things that are happening back there at their end, you know. And uh, so... The um, the ability to um, uh, to uh, uh, yeah talk I think, with them and communicate with them yeah. it, that, that was a great lesson for me. You know the one thing I you know I told people in all the time that Harry and I spent together and we spent every day together. We you know we we met at least once a day. We talked at least two or three times a day. He always treated me as a colleague, uh, and he treated everybody the same way. I was never, uh, uh, um, he was never my superior, ever, ever, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and uh, that came through his actions, it came through the way he talked to me. Don't get me wrong, I mean, he was very, very tough to, de to, to deal with, and he, uh, he could be, you know, he could be uh, um, very, um, uh, uh, you know, demanding uh, of you, but uh, somebody once told me, he said, he only does it because he likes you. If he's if he, if, he, if he's like that with you, it's because he likes you. So, yeah. I think that I always used to say to my uh, regional directors and DMs, I was, I would ask them to schedule at, in their you know in their monthly calendar just a connection visit, and and it's exactly what you just shared. He did. I would say go in with no agenda, no checklist, yeah. no thing that you've got to write up, and just go in and work the floor, and and you know and just be present and ask questions and like find out about people. Those are the times when you do that. You find out more about what's going on in your store than you do going in to do like an assessment or a, a visual oh, yeah. check. And we do have to do that balance of both. But, you know, one of the things I used to do at David's Tea all the time was I'd go in and I'd want to make my own tea. And everybody would run around and be like, no, I'll make a tea for you. And I'd be like, no, 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 it's okay. I can make my own tea. <laughs> and I did it for that exact reason. I wanted to walk behind the counter. I wanted to make a tea. I wanted to relax everybody, make them feel comfortable because I would always get more out of them. And I remember leaving stores and the DMs in the regional saying, I work with these people every day and talk to them every week. How do you get that much information out of people? And I'm like, because I'm listening more. Like yeah. I'm actually got two ears and one mouth. So I'm mm. listening all the time and then asking curious questions. And yeah. then that, in, I find out like more about your team than you may know in like a whole month because you're always talking at them, not actually listening. Yeah. So I think that's a huge part of leadership, right? Like how do we get better at doing that? Um, you just and I say take your title aside. You're just you're working to support your team, and and the more that you can do that, the the better results you're actually going to get. I truly believe that. Yeah, and the thing is, and I remember reading that in your book about uh, about uh, uh, you being uh, going in there and and going with, in with this disarming thing. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. There's no title here. Okay, I'm just there. You know, um, and uh, you're right. You do learn so much, and and 
if, if, if I was running a company, I would want everyone at some point in time to be spending time, if it was a retail company, on the floor, dealing with customers, uh, behind a cash desk, whatever the case may be, because I, because number one, you get to see what's going on. You get to really see the pulse of the company, but you also, I think, can bring something back to wherever your whatever your department is and it might be a buyer it could be somebody working in accounting it could be anything but the 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 idea is that they can learn something from that and maybe bring something of value to you know back to the store i mean our cash desks as an example ended up becoming designed um as a result of someone who put a design together looking at the cash desk from a and he looked at it from a obviously maybe from an engineering standpoint, but also from a standpoint and saying I can make this more efficient. I can make it better looking on this side, but I can also make it more efficient on the end uh, for on the uh, uh, associate side mm -hmm. as well too. You know, would have never happened if it hadn't been for that for that person. So, so. how do you? Yeah, because like I really believe in the power of positive leadership. I mean, I wrote a yeah. book about it. I have a show about it now, and I love yeah. bringing people on like you. But do, what? How do you approach leadership? What's your leadership philosophy? Like, do you believe that positive leadership is important? Oh, for sure. You know, and the thing is, is that, you know, when I would be brought in or if I was uh, dealing with a team or a new new group of people, what I would do is I would look at the people. I would my probably my first step would be to observe. I would observe them. I would observe them in their environment. I'd observe them uh, as much as I could uh, watching them. And what I would try to do is identify their strengths, the, the strengths of each one of the people. And I, I'm the first one to admit, I don't have strengths in, in certain areas. So when I see somebody that has strengths in areas where I, I don't, I team up with them and I say, look, you know what, um, uh, you're good at this part. You know, uh, I'm not so great at this. You know, one of the things that you wrote in your book is that you're a leader of people, which I love that because I used to look at myself and feel myself, not, not that I wasn't successful at it, but I was a leader of people. I wasn't great on the sales floor. I said before, my dad was a great salesman. Harry was a great salesman. Uh, there was a lot of people that I was surrounded by that were fabulous salesmen. I could never even hold a candle to these people. But I was good with people, you know, I, 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 I could be a good leader. And um, I, you know, love that to be able to identify that, uh, that um, as a strength, you know, and say that, that that's how I'm going to move forward it was so good. Oh, yeah. And that's what I love about retail, right? Like, I think that's the funny thing. It's like, when I went into it, um, it was kind of like this, you know, same thing. I was really good with people and leading teams and building people. I could get people to buy into anything, but I, was, mm -hmm. I wasn't necessarily the best salesperson, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, you know, for whatever reason. I mean, people think that I am, but like I, ca I can sell you a vision and join a team and I, I can help mm -hmm. you but, and I can get the best out of people. But, you know, retail really is a people business and that is so valuable. Mm -hmm. I mean, like you make a difference in people's lives every day, whether they go home and, and, you know, feel good about the day that they left behind and mm -hmm. who they were working with. And that has a ripple effect on their families and everybody, their community. And I, I truly believe that that needs to really come uh, front and center now, I feel like in retail. I feel like mm -hmm. digital has been like the last 10 years. And I, I feel like that this focus needs to come back, um, yeah. back into the stores and back in the focus. I, I read something yesterday on LinkedIn that I think it was one of the designer brands. I'm probably going to get it wrong. Fendi or one of them, it could have been Dior, said, oh, I believe, uh, no, Louis Vuitton, I believe that stores are where the experience is going to be in the future. Not that we're discounting digital, but people want to have that experience and connection with people. 
And that's never going to go away. People that say bricks and mortars are dead, I'm just like, no way. I don't buy no. it. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't either. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't believe that either. I believe that uh, brick and mortar is still going to be important for certain things. I mean, uh, I know that online uh, has taken a hold of retail and there's going to be certain commodities and certain products that will be successful. And they will, they have been and they will even be more so. But there are also going to be commodities that, um, that still uh, will flourish uh, in that one-on-one -on -one se setting yeah. and that, 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 um, uh, that intimate uh, uh, relationship uh, b between salesperson and, and customer. You know, you talked, uh, you know, one of the other things I wanted to mention is that the other thing was that in, in Rosen's, obviously it's a commission sales floor environment. So it's very competitive, you know, mm -hmm. on, on the floor. Um, the other thing is a leader is I, cause everybody sold in our company. The, no one was exempt from selling. And I, um, but what people came to realize about me was that I was I was very much a strong support mechanism. So if they called me in to help them technically with a made to measure issue and things like that, I never became a threat to them uh, as far as, you know, that I would take their customer away from anything like that. And that I found helped tremendously for me because I became a, t a partner. I became a team a member to them. Uh, and uh, so that that was also you know, a big benefit. That's a huge. That's a really huge point. I remember working in a commission environment ten years ago, and it was, um, you know, the number one customer complaints I would deal with was like salespeople on the floor having yes. that kind of tension, you know, which is never good. Um, so yeah, it's it's that's that's super good to for managers to, and leaders to hear, like you know, be a partner to your sales team. It's okay to have commission and goals, but really make sure that you're going at it from the right perspective and the right approach, and being um, that positive support partner. How do you stay um, calm and collected under like times of pressure as a leader? Because right now, I think that. Uh, retail is going through a big transition. I'm sure that they're dealing with, you know, we're not in bricks and mortar right now, but I'm yeah. sure that there's so many more operational challenges and things happening and mm. just so much more complexity, right, um, than ever before. I know in Ontario, it's been, uh, you know, very challenging. Retail Council Canada have been working their butts off trying to figure all that out mm. <laughs> with everybody. But how do you stay, what, what's your advice to somebody? Like, how do you stay calm and positive? Um, people always ask me that all the time under yeah. times of pressure, you know? Well, I find that uh, uh, people used to, you know, I remember uh, uh, when I would facilitate uh, training sessions and uh, people would come to me and they'd say, how do you do this? Like, especially because sometimes, you you know, you get people in the sessions that don't aren't getting it and they're asking questions and sometimes they're not listening and whatever. And they say, how do you stay so calm? Like the, the whole thing. And, and I don't know what my, you know, honest to God, I don't know what my secret is uh, for staying calm. I've always been a calm person, you know. Uh, but I think part of it is that, you know, when you know what that goal is, when you know where you want to go, uh, and, you know, the other point that you made in your book uh, uh, about that that sort of adjusting of the goal and changing, you know, as time and changing with times and whatever the in the environment is, um, that's also to being and being open to that, you know. Uh, so, uh, you know, being able to, uh, you know, when you get into a store, if you've had certain things that you wanted to get done, uh, and you realize, okay, I can't do those because something's happened. You need to be able to uh, say, okay, fine, I'll get, I'll, I'll get to this next time I'm here. We need to deal with this right now. Yeah. And uh, that's I, I find uh, the best way to stay calm from that standpoint. It, you know, look, this is this is going to be a real challenging time for for retail right now. But I I really truly believe that uh, uh, people who are um, I, I think there's a there's a group of people out there that are sick and tired of their sweatpants. I, I really do. And 
they're going to, you know, say, okay, that's it. They're going into the garbage and I'm going to get some big boy pants and I'm going to get some, some nice things to wear uh, and feel better. And I'm not necessarily saying they're going to get back into suits, but, but, uh, uh, or suits per se, as we remember them. But I think that they are going to, uh, uh, um, uh, there's going to be that customer out there and it's, it's finding, I mean, and attracting them to get them, get them in the store. Yeah. Yesterday I was at Rebecca Minkoff's book signing of Fearless yeah. in Miami because I'm down here. So I happened to see it on her social and she would, they were asking questions about, you know, what, what, what's selling right now? Cause she's like, same thing. She's like, everybody's, you know, we've been living in leggings for the last year or sweatpants. And she said they were really nervous about putting heels out because women haven't worn heels for a long time. Oh, wow. And uh, they launched a shoe with like a two inch heel and it blew out in three days. She's like, wow. everybody wants to learn to walk again and everybody wants to wear a heel, maybe not a high, high heel, mm -hmm. but um, mm -hmm. this two inch heel. And she was like, you know, and it just sold out. So there is going to be this desire to get you know dressed up i mean i i love getting dressed up and shopping and looking good <laughs> right and you know I, I when you told me that you had met her i, I was so excited you know I, I have such a huge respect for designers and and uh, what they bring uh one of the other things that we tried to do very very much so in the company was uh i always used to say and to our associates find out what the designer's original intent was when they created this garment what why did they do it what how how uh, did they want this garment to be worn? What did it look like? I mean, Hugo Boss was a great example. Hugo Boss, when it was first introduced, and I'm dating myself now, but people were sizing them down, you know, because they were a big fitting garment. And when we finally realized, we said, hey, this isn't right. We shouldn't be sizing it down. This is supposed to be big fitting. It's supposed to be loose. Same. Uh, so anytime we we brought new garments in or new new designers, or, sorry, new lines in, um, I always wanted to know, okay, what was their intention? What did they want? Uh, uh, this garment to do? How did they want it to look? Right. And that's why, like I say, I, I was excited when you told me you met her because designers to me are just so, uh, such an integral part. And they, and when you know that as a salesperson on the floor, you are talking with conviction now. Yeah. Oh yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Oh yeah. yeah. It was so, so great to get her. I can't wait to start reading her book actually. So I'm going to yeah. start reading it today, but so we're, we're, you know, time flies on this show. Oh we're coming gosh, up to yeah, wow. 30 minutes. So we've got, you know, we can't go, keep going for a little bit, a couple of minutes, a couple more questions. But, you know, what's something that, you know, if you look back at your younger self, um, mm -hmm. you would tell your younger self, because I think we all have wisdom with age or experience. And, you know, we can provide that wisdom and, and experience to other people growing in the business that are looking mm -hmm. at retail and thinking of it as a career. So what would you tell your younger self knowing what you know now? I, I think probably uh, because I, I, I gained an appreciation for how important the customer was uh, over years. So I, I think that would be the first thing is that uh, to realize how important the customer was and, and, and to listen to the customer as to what they're telling you to sit to actually listen and uh, not, you know, not, oh, well, we, you know, these items are moving slow. I'm going to push this item to, to really listen uh, to them because, uh, um, you know, selling them the right garment that, at that time doesn't necessarily mean it's the most expensive garment. It just means selling the right garment for whatever the needs are at that time. So being more aware uh, and understanding, uh, you know, the customer. And then the other thing is um, I would say, uh, and again, uh, because I worked in a, in my own op or smaller operation initially, I learned how to, you know, to, 
you know, everyone was a colleague. That's what I learned at Terry Rosen's. We're all colleagues. We're all colleagues. Everybody's door was open in that company and we, we all work together. It's a team. And that, uh, that's, that's what I tell myself is that to always treat people, no matter who they are, exactly the same. Well, you can feel that, Mark, from your energy on this on this live. I saw a comment somebody put that this is coming across so genuine and authentic. So no wonder people want to work with oh, you. Thank you. That's great. Um, because you can feel that from people, right? You can feel that authenticity and that connection sure. and that passion from people that, that want to work with people. And I've been fortunate. I've had some really amazing bosses. I've had some not so great ones that I've yeah. learned what I didn't want to be. Yeah, yeah. But one of the ones that was that also good about your book. That was really good about your book and talking about that, what you learned from them. That was great. That was, I really enjoyed that. Part. You know, I always go into every experience saying, what can I learn? I mean, I remember, you know, I talk about in the book about that VP that gave us that huge sales goal. And we were like, yeah. what is oh, she yes, talking about? The it. chocolate bar, the million dollar chocolate <laughs> yes. bar story. Right. Yeah. And I was like, so but good. that was such a great learning experience. I went home and yeah. I was like, okay, what am I going to do? Like, I'm going to solve this, you know? And then we, we did it. And, and everybody always loves that million dollar chocolate bar story oh, because I, I do believe that, you know, you can, you can, people push you, right? Like people come into your experience in your life to push you. So even if you're working with a leader or a manager that's like tough on you, look at those experiences and think about what can you learn? Mm -hmm. And that's my best advice to people. Always go in as a curious person, because mm. you're going to then grow so so much and gain so much more wisdom to share sure, with others. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. So, last question, mm. probably. And <laughs> um, what do you think it's going to require for leaders in the future in retail to be successful? Um, I think that they're going to have to be uh, definitely, you know, uh, flexible. They're going to have to be able to deal with um, uh, a number of different things. Uh, um, I believe that they they really do need to be stay close to the floor, uh, and uh, you know, the, no matter how high up you get in the in the company, uh, spend as much time as you can on that front line uh, because that's the pulse. That's the and, and listen and listen to what the customers are saying to you. Listen to what they're asking for. Um, that that to me is uh, is key for for leaders. Um, and listen to the associates. Talk to them. Talk to and and you know listen to the people that are in the back room stocking that that are stocking the back shelves. Listen to the you know in clothing. Obviously, listen to the tailors. Listen to the people everywhere in all parts of the company because they all have something to tell tell you that's important. Hundred percent. I can't I can't say that enough. It's like if you're working in a retailer and you haven't worked in a store, no matter what function you're in, you need to go and just spend an afternoon after covid when things start getting back to normal but i think it's yeah. going to be so important to get back to that shop floor like you said mark and yeah. um and really you know listen and really find out what's going on i love retail you as a community because we have a community of managers that have just joined themselves and we have these round tables sometimes because i just mm -hmm. love getting customer insights mm -hmm. and it's just amazing listening and asking them questions and hearing what they have to say you know so Super, super good. Oh, this was such a good conversation. I can keep talking to you all day. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so I appreciate what, what, that. What are you up to now? Like you're obviously not at Harry Rose anymore. So what are you doing no. now? Are you looking for your next retail adventure? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking for my next retail adventure. I, uh, I, I'm, I've been helping out uh, some uh, retailers, small retailers uh, who are in, in made to measure and they don't feel they have quite the, uh, obviously the knowledge. So I'm helping them out with fitting. Uh, I've done, I've dabbled a little bit with, um, 
virtual company, uh, not virtual companies, but digital companies that are trying to perfect that, uh, that uh, being able to take a camera shot of somebody and, uh, and determine what their sizes are and what uh, measurements are. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, I'm looking for, uh, you know, my next opportunity, whatever that, that might be, I, um, uh, that, uh, something that would be in, in retail would be great, you know? Yeah. So. I know retail's kind of, it gets you, doesn't it? I think somebody on our, I think it was David Louis on our, one of our lives. He said, it's kind of addictive. I'm like, it yeah. kind of is, <laughs> <laughs> you know? it kind of is. Cause it's, it is, you know, you, you get, and you get so, I mean, I, I find that that building up, obviously, you know, that, that Saturday night, Saturday nights were always that, you know, you're, you finished the week and, if you have a great week and you did, you know, and, and you had that balance where you had some great merchandise came in and you had great sales and everybody's, you know, having a, everybody had a great uh, week. You just feel so, you know, fo so fulfilled. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. And you meet amazing people. That's why I say, and I've traveled the world with retail. That's why I say retail is such a great career for people thinking about it because you work for international companies, you can move. There's so many opportunities out there. Yeah. Um, you know, and you know, I met my best friend in retail over 25 years ago. She was 30 years ago now. She was my boss. So you never know. Right? No, I know. And that's, that's, what's exciting. You know, I, uh, about you, I haven't finished your book yet, but, uh, I'm, uh, I found that that was what very interesting is the fact that you've, uh, been involved in companies in different continents and everything and dealing with the people. It must be so, you know, uh, obviously you must have a lot of stories with regard to you know, dealing with people, whether it be in the UK or in the US or in Canada and uh, what it's what it's like to lead teams in, in different, uh, because I mean, obviously we all have our certain, you know, characteristics and things that we, uh, we, uh, that we follow and uh, you, you see that you, you come across that. Yeah. That's a, yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely help me um, listen more and um, be more adaptable and mm. um, not make judgment, not make sure. assumptions because words in one country mean something else in another country to somebody yes. else, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's yeah. so, I think to me, language is so fascinating how tone and one word can change an energy change the direction of a conversation change how somebody feels about that conversation I think I'm very conscientious of that and I try to train my leaders to be the same way you know like really think about what that person needs not this is what you need you know always right. in always in um always in a place of service mm -hmm. I mean it's a service industry so you gotta love that otherwise you won't be successful in it Right. So. Right. Yeah. No. Of course. Yeah. 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 yeah so. Well, we're going to wrap up this okay. uh, this weekly broadcast. So, thank you so much, Mark, for being on um, and sharing your words of wisdom and your energy and your passion. It was such a great conversation. So, I want to thank you so much. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed it. This is so. I have had so much fun. You know, we'll have to do it again sometime. <laughs> So if you see this in your feed, um, you know, share it with your retail network. Me and Mark will go back and read the comments afterwards and uh, we'll make some comments. And yeah, just have a really great week, everybody. And we'll see you next week on The Positive Effect. Bye for now. Great. Thank you.